From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 339, and today's show is brought to you by ExpressVPN, HelloFresh, and Spokes. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Jason Snow. Hello, Jason Snow. Hello, Fresh. I mean, hello, Mike Hurley. Oh, no. You can call me Fresh if you like. It's a fun nickname. Okay. All right, babe. Interesting. Uh, hashtag Snow Talk question this week comes from Don, and Don wants to know, Jason, what is your favorite flavor or kind of tea? Ah, uh, tea questions. They're almost as bad as weather questions. Um, I like black tea. I like just pure black tea. Um, my morning tea rotation is uh, I have a an Irish breakfast, an English breakfast, and I have an Assam full leaf. But they're all just black tea. I like black tea with a little, uh, some would say a lot. I would say a little bit of honey. Oh, Okay, you put honey in your black tea. I huh? put honey in my tea. That's mm-hmm. my that's my my go to is honey in my advice. tea. My wife puts milk in her tea. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, she will be very nice and bring me tea, and it's always funny because I seem to know innately how many squeezes of the honey bear it takes to pop properly honey my tea, and she's gotten it in her head because she doesn't use honey that i am a honey maniac who puts way too much honey in his tea and so whenever she brings me the tea it is like honey with tea in it it's very kind of her but it's also hilarious that she oh interesting that wasn't what my... i was expecting you were gonna say well, I, I think initially she put in enough. a little and i was like oh i need to put more honey in this and now uh-huh. she just overdoes it and it's funny so <laughs> <laughs> uh, what uh so you you said English breakfast, Irish breakfast, and a psalm. What, a psalm. What, what takes you to this psalm that feels like the outlier of the three? No, well, I, I got it. Uh, it's just a, it's a full leaf, so it's, um, it's just longer, and, and they, they, it's actually easier to clean because mm. they're, they're bigger. They're not little chunks. Um, they, they, I think they, they chop them up into little bits for, to, um, so that it's stronger, that it, it works faster, but right. I use the T-Robot. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's the same amount of time every time. It's just for variety. I could literally just take the English breakfast and order pounds and pounds of it and just use that. Um, I'm, I just, I vary it a little, but it's so slight that I think if you made three cups of the three different kinds and put them in front of me, I probably couldn't tell the difference. If you'd like to send in a Snow Talk question to help us open a show, uh, just send in a tweet with the hashtag Snow Talk or use question mark Snow Talk in the Real FM members Discord. Some follow up because I, just wanted to follow up on it. Zoom worked well last week. So it did. We're using it today. It's the way we're going to record going forward. I'm going to start slowly transitioning all of my other shows to Zoom, but I'm waiting for, like, I'm waiting to feel comfortable with the changed workflow, which is what has happened, right? Like, I still have to get not like set. Well, this is how I feel uh, as, as the host. You want to, like, have it down so that when you introduce it to your other shows, it's as painless as possible because exactly. you've got it down. Mm-hmm. And like in my editing process and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and, and just kind of getting that all nice and set. But And uh, I'm back happy. in my office now. Last mm-hmm. week I was not. I was in an undisclosed location. So yes. it wasn't the Zoom that made it sound different. It, even though it was all my same hardware, it was in a totally different room. It was room, so not it was Zoom. Room, not Zoom. Room, yes. not Zoom. As well. um, as but as now as I'm back in my own office so disclosed we're, location we're back. that's right so this is going to be a pretty upstream focused episode today so i have some upstream headlines then we're going to talk about for all mankind because there's some interesting stuff going on there as it debuts later on this week and then uh, we're going to talk about the 
fracas that you started around uh, oh. Apple TV uh, last week. You mean a, a fracas? Yeah. Fracas, as we might say in America. You got a, a frac- real fracas going on over there. Yep. I don't know if it's fracas here in the UK, fracas? but I, uh, I, I, I don't like the way that sounds, so I say fracas instead. Maybe that it's makes me It's a foofara. It's a hubbub. It's a, it's a uh, hubbub. Uh, uh, yeah, one of those. Kerfuffle. Apple TV Plus has secured four Golden Globe nominations uh, this year. I think they had a couple last year, but they got four this time. Uh, Ted Lasso for Best TV Series, Musical or Comedy. Jason Sudeikis yeah. for Best Performance. Wolf Walkers for Best Animated Film. And Bill Murray for Best Supporting Actor in On the Rocks, which I haven't oh, seen yeah. yet, but I, I do want to see. It's good. Uh, do you think they're going to win any of these? Well, it's the Golden Globes, so you can't take them seriously, and they do weird stuff. But I think that's why it's quite possible that they will win. Um, because the Golden Globes do wacky picks. Mm. They do things that are new. They like to be seen embracing the new. Right. And that's why I think that... Um, I, the What I've read is that the critics' consensus is that Wolfwalkers is probably the best animated film of the year. So it may... It may win not for wacky reasons, but for good reasons. And mm-hmm. we, I think it's a real contender for the Oscar. Now, Apple doesn't get the statue, right? It's the no. makers of the producer of the film would get the statue, but it would still be a feather in Apple's cap. Well, even more so, Apple's not even listed because uh, it was entered into, I think, consideration before Apple picked it up. Yeah. Right, so. exactly. Apple's basically just distributed it. Mm-hmm. They did a distribution deal because of COVID and all of that. However, the Ted Lasso picks, I would think that there's a real possibility that one of those Ted Lasso uh, nominations is going to be a win because of how wacky the Golden Globes is and how they want to do stuff that's new and not well known and yeah. Ted Lasso they, they often will pick things that are kind of more like cult breaking out people are starting to talk about it and I think the Golden Globes voters want to look cool and in the know and so if they say you know oh yes everybody else thinks that these shows are the best comedy but we know it's ted lasso then they look cool so it wouldn't shock me if ted lasso or especially like jason sudeikis might get something there but we'll we'll see i think there's a chance though i think there's uh, a real chance more than i would say the emmys because the emmys tend to be not always but they tend to be uh, much more kind of on inertia and you when you win emmys like a lot of small shows that are cult followings that are really great but aren't widely known tend to get their Emmy nominations and wins like the last. Think about Shit's Creek. It was the last season that got the nominations. Shit's Creek is the issue, I think, for the Golden Globes, too. I just looked it up. They've never even been nominated yeah. for a Golden Globe before. And so, like, Shit's Creek cleaned up at the Emmys because the show was over. Right. Yeah. So, and it was, and it is incredible. So they were kind of like, we can give it all the awards, and right. they're that nominated again in every category. Yeah. So I think Shit's Creek really is like probably the biggest it, uh, contender here against. It's going to be a challenge. I read a story that handicapped the Golden Globes and said that they thought that Jason Sudeikis or Ted Lasso really did have a chance because there's there's two ways to go with the Golden Globes, which is the obvious choice, which yep. is Shit's Creek, and there's yep. the oh, it's the Golden Globes, yeah. they're gonna do yeah. something wacky, yeah. and that was, and that's Ted Lasso. So it's it's possible, but um, my point about the Emmys is more that if you really love Ted Lasso and it continues to be great for the next three seasons, then stay tuned for season three when they will finally get an Emmy nomination as the, as they finish up and are yeah. on their way out the door. Cause that seems to be how it works for a lot of the, the Emmy stuff. Disney plus has now hit 95 million paid subscribers. They're up 8 million more in a month when they, they, they just reported this, uh, 
because they, they, we knew the number from their quarterly earnings and now they've hit 95 so they've just told everyone they've done it um, yeah. <laughs> because why not and this made me want to ask because I think one of the potentially one of the drivers is WandaVision uh, no spoilers have you been watching WandaVision? no yes I have oh okay well you might not have I don't know um, maybe. No, in fact, it is. Um, I've been really thinking about this as the Disney Plus uh, original content strategy. So you and I have talked for a while now about we knew Disney Plus was coming. They said it was coming, and then it arrived, and we're like, okay. But after the Mandalorian finished, like, there's content, but it's the library, and like, what is their original content thing? And again, you can yep. do a service with with a library like Disney's. You can do a service like that. But one of the ways you motivate people to sign up is original content rolling out. And so maybe WandaVision and the buzz around WandaVision has been part of it. This is the, for those who don't know, it's a Marvel show. It's the first show uh, set essentially officially done by Marvel Studios. The other TV shows that they've done recently were by a a different arm, a, a TV arm of Marvel that was not run by the people who made the movies and didn't really feature the people who were in the movies with a couple of footnotes. Um, and now it's sort of like characters from the movies that you recognize. And WandaVision is the first one. It's got Scarlet Witch and, and Vision and some other characters from Marvel Universe in it. And the reason I was thinking about this is uh, Mandalorian became, it's actually our only, with our 16-year-old son, our family appointment television. Hmm. Like on Friday night, we all sit down together and watched, you know, we watched The Mandalorian. And we transferred that right over into WandaVision. Right. We sit down on Friday night as a family and we watch WandaVision together. And, you know, we watch like movies. We'll be like, oh, Julian, we're going to do this movie and, you know, come and watch it and all that. We do that. And he'll choose, but TV, pick and choose, right? With what he's interested right, in. I right. Suppose. But TV shows, not so much. In fact, one of the things that we will reliably watch with him is, um, is Marvel movies, old and new. He's got the stuff he's interested in, the stuff he's not, and that's fine. And we've got the stuff we're interested in, and he's yeah. not, and that's fine. So what strikes me about WandaVision is following Mandalorian, I'm like, we've had a pretty good run here. There's been a little bit of a gap, but not much, where you just sort of have this appointment viewing of there's always a new uh, Disney show on a Friday night. And that is exactly what we were talking about, which is you want to have a situation where you always have to be subscribed to Disney Plus and you feel you're getting your money's worth yep. because there's always appointment viewing of a, of a new original plus your access to the catalog. And I was thinking about this because WandaVision's only got three episodes left. Yep. So three more weeks of WandaVision before it's done. And I was like, oh, but this has been so nice. And then I thought, yeah, but Falcon and the Winter Soldier starts in March. I believe it is the next week. It might be a week after, yeah. but it's it's right there. And because of the pandemic, it's not all going to flow quite as seamlessly as that. But that is the idea for all of these streaming services, especially the ones with franchises. So if you can imagine, and I looked it up on, on Wikipedia afterward, um, you know, there's this Marvel show and there's also this Marvel show that's coming um, this summer and there's this Marvel show and this other Marvel show that are coming this fall and there's also the Book of Boba Fett that's coming in December. And, you know, I think the idea is that you will not be able to get away from Disney Plus for even a month nope. as new Marvel and Star Wars and other originals come out. And we're loving it. <laughs> mm-hmm. and it and it immediately makes me think you know disney plus is a destination and i'll just say as a, as a, a lifelong star trek fan that is absolutely what cbs all access which is about to turn into paramount plus like we said last week 
that's what they're doing with Star Trek is the same thing is they want to have and they haven't been able to do it. They're in a lull now, actually, because of the pandemic. But, you know, their goal is that there should, you know, if not every week, like with with very minimal gaps, there should be a Star Trek show rolling out on Paramount Plus. And that if you are if you want that stream of entertainment, easy, just sign up for Paramount Plus and you get it. And this is part it's not the whole strategy. It's not a Star Trek streaming service. This is not a Marvel streaming service, but it helps one set of audience members uh, be welded to your service. So I, I, I'm and I'm excited about that, too, because it means that we'll have Friday uh, TV night with my son um, for a while now because of Disney Plus. So um, so, yeah, I'm loving WandaVision um, for people who haven't tried it yet. It is. Uh, have you watched it, Mike? Yeah, I'm up to date. Okay, um, again, we're not going to spoil anything, but uh, I'll speak broadly about it and say uh, what's interesting about WandaVision is that because it's not a movie, they're using the episode-by-episode, week-by-week format to tell an ongoing story, but also have the individual episodes feel unique. Yeah, I've never seen a TV show like this one. It's it's peculiar. Um in a good way, yeah. I will also say that its commitment to its premise is so strong <laughs> yeah. that the first couple episodes, you're like, what am You've I watching? It, you know, it's really good. They did the whole, like, here's three and then we'll go every week. I think it was two. They dropped okay. two. And it's the very end of the second episode where it sort of, like, pulls back the curtain a little and says, this is actually the show you're watching. Yeah. Um. And and that's why they dropped those two episodes. I think is that if people had just seen episode one, they'd be like, "I is is it a sitcom now?" Because that's basically the premise of it. But yeah. uh, I think it's really brilliant. Uh, I've loved it. And if this is and this was not originally their launch show, Falcon and Winter Soldier was going to be their launch show, but because of the pandemic, they weren't done shooting it, and they had to go back and remount the filming to get it done. Um, Whereas this one was apparently close enough that they were able to get it ready to go and get it out the door. Um, it's it's probably weirder and less conventional than they wanted to launch Marvel yeah. on Disney Plus. Yeah. Then Falcon and Winter Soldier will probably be much more. I bet Falcon and Winter Soldier is very like this. Yeah, this is a Marvel movie kind of. Yeah, thing. they did a trailer for it, and yeah. at, we got to the end, and and Lauren said to me, "Wait, that's not a movie." <laughs> I said, "No, it's a TV show because it it might as well be a movie." Wonder Vision looks like. I mean, it it, it the look it of it all. I mean, it's fantastic. Friend of the show, Todd Vaziri, tweeted. Yep. Um, last week, something to the effect of you need to stop talking about movie effects and TV effects because I, I realize the budgets may be different. I don't know any of the behind the scenes business, but I'll tell you what is on screen. It's a Marvel movie, right? Yep. Like it doesn't feel like they cheaped out and it's a really, you know, bad effect like that you wouldn't see in a movie. I, I just don't feel like it does. I feel like they've, this doesn't feel like a cheap version of marvel this nope. feels like a marvel movie being told in installments instead yep. uh and that is and not necessarily from storytelling like i said i think the individual episodes do uh have their own feel and the weekly release lets you talk about like wh what did we just see in a way that's very effective but it it uh falcon and winter soldier feels much more uh, conventional in the sense that it, it does feel kind of like it's a Marvel movie chopped up into, I don't know what it is, six episodes, I think six pieces. Um, but, uh, I, I think, I think it's good. And I think it's a mm -hmm. good sign that the Marvel studios, people are really are bringing their a game. Clearly we know from the message from the top at Disney, from Disney's, 
previous CEO and their current CEO that uh, Disney Plus is is basically a huge part of Disney's future, and that theatrical will continue as well. But that they are considering Disney Plus uh, in some ways their primary output medium output source so well it's all going there eventually so it's important yeah, right exactly so yeah. of course marvel studios has gotten the message which is do not make you know second rate stuff and also <laughs> make your bring your a yeah. game to this and they seem to be so i've been enjoying it uh hbo max is going to be launching in some international markets in june with more set for later in the year um there's it seems pretty localized the june launch to i believe it's uh latin america uh mostly and then it's going to be some of the nordic countries some of europe um later on in the year the uk is not on this list at all uh which i'm not surprised about i think we spoke about mm-hmm. it before um hate the hbo and sky deal the sky yeah. is pretty linked but as i said previously okay but what about the original content Right. That's the issue because currently, like, we can get all of HBO's content in the UK through Sky, and we subscribe to a service here called Now TV, which is a Sky's purely digital uh, arm, which I've spoken about before. Um, and we subscribe to their entertainment package and we can watch shows and all that kind of stuff. But none of HBO Max original content is available there. So. HBO, work it out, right? Like, yeah, it sounds like they're they're actually selling this is a sign that it's not coming anytime soon, right? Is mm-hmm. that they, they are selling their originals to places like sky in the UK. So they haven't like, been, um, this is the original content, the HBO max pure content is not available. The flight attendant, right. which is a, an HBO max original. I'm looking at a story now. I just picked it as an idea. Oh, okay. They, they sold it to sky. Okay. Well, that's, and will premiere in 2021 on, on sky somewhere. So, so it, it seems like they're basically at this point, selling content into markets that they're not going to go in yet. But that just seems um, like, what, are they doing money? it on like a pick and choose, right? Like it's, you it know, may be. And it that's may stupid. Be, which is, it's so stupid. Yeah, I agree. I agree. HBO. They're probably, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel your pain. All right. This episode is brought to you in part by Spokes, a communications agency. Spokes is a public relations communications agency designed to complement businesses started by today's bootstrapping entrepreneurs. But Spokes provides the kind of support and direction usually found in huge, expensive chief marketing officer type roles with services that are lightweight, effective, nimble, and free from huge price tags. Spokes' founding team has decades of experience as news, features, and sports journalists, PR executives in variety of industries, nonprofits, and with governments. They back that up with a strong in-house team of software engineers and entrepreneurs. The result is an agency uniquely poised to complement the bootstrapping technical founders or small teams who believe they have a market fit but don't know how to begin telling their stories. Spokes is an a la carte VP of communications, ready to help you tell your story and to build an authentic relationship with your customers. They bundle services across the communication space, including strategies for building media connections to get compelling stories published, editing services for maintaining consistent tones of voice through your communication channels, media training to help teach your team to stay on message, and even full PR representation. While you're focused on building the great products and services that you're great at, Spokes is here to make sure your public image represents the pride that you have in your work. 
To learn more about Spokes' unique Chief Marketing Officer as a Service options, head to spokes.agency slash upgrade and mention this show for a 25% discount. That's spox.agency slash upgrade and mention this podcast for a 25% discount and there's a link in the show notes too. Our thanks to Spokes Agency for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, so... Let's talk about For All Mankind, because Apple has ramped the promotional machine up to 22 on this one. Oh, yeah. Uh, The second season For All Mankind of For All Mankind debuts. To the moon. To the moon. (laughs) Diamond Hands. Uh, It debuts this week on Friday, I think. Now, Uh, they're going back to weekly release. Do you know, is it going to be one at a time, or are they going to dump a couple and then go One at a time. One at a time, baby. Killing me, Apple. I've been really weekly excited release. for this. I love the weekly release. I love like it. weekly releases, but I want like two, right? I want uh, two and then weekly. That's what I want. I don't. My want understanding the is that it's it's just episode one on Friday. Okay, okay. Because you know, I, I that's what I really liked about uh, when they debuted. And again, like with what we were just talking about, Wonder Vision. I want a couple so I can get into it again. You know. Mm-hmm. And then go weekly. And I could wait, like that's what we did with WandaVision. We actually wait until there was four of them and then we watched them and then caught up. Or three or four of them and caught up. And I could wait, but I can't wait because I've been really excited for this show to return um, because of what they did going from season one to season two uh, yeah. where it, there's a time jump and, and I'm really intrigued mm-hmm. to see what they do there. Uh, but yeah. today, Apple announced that they are going to be doing a weekly pod. Uh, okay, a watch along kind of podcast, yeah. an mm. official podcast, sort of, uh, mm-hmm. of for all mankind. Now, this is something that we kind of expected was coming. There's been lots of reports about them moving into this, and this was one of the things that I think Bloomberg reported that Apple would do because it seems like the obvious uh, kind of first step for them, which is take the content that they're already making on TV Plus and make companion podcasts. And this has been done to uh, some good effect. I know that you've spoken very highly about both The Good Place and Chernobyl, and I think Watchmen's yep. podcast. And Watchmen too, yeah. And it's going to be hosted by Chris Marshall, who plays Danielle Poole on the show. Right. Um, so I like that. It's hosted by somebody on the show. And the good thing about these types of podcasts is where you can actually get the people on. So I was talking about the West Wing, that I've been watching the West Wing. Right. And people were recommending to me the West Wing Weekly. West Wing Weekly. But sure. I didn't want to like listen, because we were binging the West Wing. So it right. wasn't really possible for me to watch it on. But now I miss the West Wing so much, I'm now just listening to the West Wing Weekly. And what's so great about that, which I didn't know initially, is it's hosted by one of the people that's in the show. So yeah, he can absolutely. Just, they just get whoever they want on. And these shows mm-hmm. are... You know, no disrespect to my many friends, including you, who make watch-along shows. Like, it is really great when you can have the people involved in the thing, right? No no disrespect taken, because once you've got the people involved and it's the official podcast, you also can't criticize it. So it works both ways. Exactly. You do lose something. Um, yep. But I, you gain something. Yeah. And I, I've enjoyed some of the official podcasts. Again, I don't... I, I listen to official podcasts for interesting behind the scenes uh, discussion of, of how the art was made. And I listened to discussions, unofficial discussions about the TV shows for analysis and criticism of the art. Different. And like it's, wish it's casting just and all that kind of stuff, right? Like they are, you're right, sure. they're different. One is behind the scenes. The other is fandom of, of a thing. In, in, exactly. And, yeah. and, and one of them is, you know, tightly integrated and it's got all the, 
all the stuff. And and again, you don't get that access otherwise, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to get one of the actors from For All Mankind to talk about every episode and what they didn't like about it. <laughs> like, yeah. This is not going to happen. <laughs> well, it wouldn't work in this episode. Oh, my yeah. part was terrible. Yeah. Your, co- <laughs> your co-star did a bad job that day. Was he, uh, did he not get sleep the night before? What's going on there? But this is wild to me. So the first episode comes out with the first episode of the show. Yes. Then the show's weekly, but the podcast is fortnightly. This feels mm-hmm. like falling at the first hurdle. Why would you do this? I don't. I don't know. Watchmen did this too, and I, I can't decide whether it's just that it's cheaper or what. But it 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 does seem unfortunate, right? Like you want to kind of create this this more tight connection between episode and uh, podcast if you're releasing weekly, and that that didn't. Happen. It's kind of one of those things. No disrespect to the people involved. If I do it right, I don't. Do the Watchmen it. podcast was great, but it was frustrating that they'd be like, "Well, now we're going to talk about this week's episode and also last week's episode." Yeah, like, but why didn't you? Yeah, it's strange. But I'm looking forward to listening because I'm I'm curious. Honestly, I'm just curious about what the Apple take, and they're working with a uh, with a company that produce an outside company that produces podcasts to do this. This is not right. being made by Apple's in house, but it's being made for Apple um for one of its shows so i'm interested in seeing how they take on the idea of the official podcast of a show that they're rolling out is it available outside of apple podcasts it's unclear to me my i i don't know huh we'll ask marco we'll see i mean i've i did a quick search on overcast and nothing comes up but it did only appear today with the trailer yeah right exactly Huh. I so wonder we'll if, what they're, what they're going to do there. I don't know. You'd think that they'd want to promote it regardless. Yeah, because this is this is ostensibly marketing for Yeah, my gut feeling is that is that it'll be available elsewhere too because they want everybody to see for all mankind. And what happens the next time, right? You know, is there an official morning show podcast? Is there you know like what what are they going to do for the rest of their their shows? I what is this should. the new rollout plan or is this an experiment? I don't know. I think they should. I think it's a good idea, really. It's just like it's an additional thing you can do. People that really love the the show can can also continue to consume content along with the show. I'll be super into this for a Ted Lasso. Oh man, yeah. Thing like I would mm-hmm. really like that, like a, a Ted Lasso podcast as well. I'm intrigued. I'm I'm very intrigued to to check out both of these things. Um, and we'll see. There was another thing, though, that they did for All Mankind, which was uh, an AR game-type experience thing. So it's called For All Mankind Time Capsule. If you check this out at all, I, I went through it all today. I have not looked at it yet. Okay, it doesn't take very long. It's probably like a half an hour type, type thing. Um, but it's effectively a bunch of little vignettes uh, that you tell us. It's telling a story of some of the intervening time between season one and season two and you get to see uh like kind of part of the family life of the stevens family so gordo and tracy stevens like it's Mm -hmm. you see some of their family life a little bit which is super interesting because of the way their stories go towards the end of season one um tj has found uh yeah there's a there's a RSS URL and I just added it to my Overcast and it worked. So there you go. For all mankind is a, a, you can listen in whatever your podcast player of choice is. So I want to just touch on this real quickly because this is super interesting to me. Yeah. Um. So w- pause on the for all mankind uh, uh AR game. The RSS okay. feed or the website is is with Art19. Now Art19 is a 
hosting and production company. And uh-huh. I can't work out why Apple would choose any specific company like this, which I think just shows that the production company that is involved with this, I think, maybe has uh, a lot of the rollout plans. Because I just can't work out why yeah. Apple would choose any it may be that third party. At Will Media, which is the name of the company that is producing the show for, for Apple, um, At Will Media works with Art19 yep. for distribution. And they, yep. they told Apple, we're handling the whole thing. And Apple is like, great, you, you do it. Go to town. We're not going to do this now. Hmm. That's super interesting to me. I'll, have to talk to, I'll, I'll talk to Lex about it. I'll talk to our friend Lex. I didn't want to mention it, but yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. I wasn't going to, but you did. Yeah, our friend Lex Friedman works on 19. And, yeah. uh, interesting. Anyway, so interesting. The, the For All Mankind game, it's, it's a, as they call it, a story between, two, between seasons one and two, which it really is. And it's beautiful. Like, it is a really nice, really wonderful experience that they've created. If you enjoy the show, Download this and try it out. Like it, I was quite surprised by how moving I found it, honestly. And it's got voice acting uh, from Sad Spy. I can't remember his his name. Michael plays, Dorman, who plays Gordo. Um, yep. He has he's lent his voice to the game, so there's some 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 like vocal work there. Quite a bit of it actually in the game, and. I don't know. It does a good job of setting the time frame of the show. There's a lot of music in it, a lot of music you would like, Jason, uh, specifically. It, I it really yes. liked it. What I'll say, though, is my iPhone got incredibly hot <laughs> doing this. Like, because you're in AR for the whole time. So it's like half an hour right. of just AR. And like the top left hand corner of my phone, I couldn't even touch it. It got so hot. Uh, so that's where the process is. Get ready to wear that on your face. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Get, catch your hair on fire. That's why there's but- a fan. Yeah, so well, there's got to be a fan in a in a AR headset, right? Kind of my thinking, uh. my point about both of these things, the podcast and this AR game, they have gone all out here for yep. for all mankind. Do you want to know how all out they've gone? Mike? Yeah, would mm-hmm. you like to know? Mm-hmm. I I can exclusively reveal that there's a special episode of Liftoff on Thursday mm-hmm. with um for all mankind content in it. Because so, we got to talk to Ron Moore, the co-creator and executive producer of, for Liftoff about yes. For All Mankind Season 2. So people check that out on Relay FM. I'll put a link in the show notes to Liftoff. Uh, that was pretty awesome. We did that last week. And uh, that was like, I was impressed with that. They're like, For All Mankind's coming out. You got a space podcast. Let's do it. Like, yep. it was great. I'm very excited. Uh, I, I knew this was coming and I cannot wait to listen to it. So uh, I I... When I found out, I knew how excited you would be, right? Because it's like, oh. look at my world's coming together. I can't even tell you how excited I was to talk to him. And I had to I had to keep it together because I've literally watched all the shows that he's worked on. Yep. Like I said at the beginning before we got started, I'm like, love your work from Star Trek to to, to Battlestar Galactica to Outlander. <laughs> Um, and now to for all mankind. So that was that was uh, when we were done with that interview. I realized that I had I had I had been stressing out about it for like a week. <laughs> oh, I bet I would have been terrified. So that's really but we had a great FM conversation. Slash yeah. lift off. Go subscribe to the show mm-hmm. now, and uh, you'll get that when it drops later on this week. I'm very excited to hear it. Uh, I'm going to keep my eye on the CMS and just 
pull that one down as soon as <laughs> just for me as soon as oh, i yeah. see it go up there um nice. so with this with all of this they are going all out and this is not not all of their shows are getting this attention right so servant season two dickinson season two they're both out right there's ads for them i know that but this is like a whole next level so i think what we're seeing here is apple creating basically like a tiered version like system of their programming like what they consider to be their flagship shows are getting this type of promotion or sony the production company is paying for it i don't i don't know right this is something we don't know about about how, like kind of the the the, the goings on inside but this is very clearly uh, enhanced promotion for this show over some of their other programming, which maybe tied in with the originals too. Like there was a uh, this show and the morning show, especially got a lot of the initial press going into it. Um, do you think that we will see? I mean, this kind of heavy promotion for say morning show and probably Ted Lasso as well. Like with all of this stuff, not just the podcast, but the yeah, the whole unclear like, whether dog and pony show. Unclear whether this is a test or whether this is the new kind of A tier promotion thing, or whether they've got a like a whole palette of promotional options, and for each show they do a rollout plan. This is the most I've seen for any of those Apple shows, so it'll be interesting to see the next premiere what happens yeah what what shows get the podcast what shows get the special ar content do the is there a track where there's like things to choose from or do they brainstorm specific things and we're only going to see ar for this because they thought it was the best fit for the content i don't know but um it is interesting to see them doing this at a level that they weren't uh, before for this and i, I yeah. you know i think that's good I'm ex- I'm very excited for the show. I can't wait. Yeah, I really can't wait. It's uh, I've seen episode one and two, and you know, it's good. It's a really Ooh, good show. Look at me, I'm so fancy. You look at me. Oh, I've, well, been, I've been using now. this, Mike. I've been I've been using <laughs> this for a few weeks, <laughs> and I can say that it's a pretty good show. All right, this episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get fresh pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. They cut out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips, so you can enjoy cooking and getting dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or less. And their Easy Eats offering has tons of quick and easy meal solutions, like 10 to 20 minute meals with low prep, quick breakfasts and lunches, which are perfect if you have a busy schedule. It's not just all about dinner. HelloFresh, you can get all kinds of meals there, which is fantastic. Uh, we cooked something recently that I adored, and it's a recipe that card that we're keeping around for the future. It was a uh, potato and chicken pie uh, with mushrooms. Oh my god, and really great sauce, like a cream sauce. Oh my god, mm-hmm. I loved it. Um, and that's what I love about HelloFresh because we get a few boxes every week or so, and uh, like a few meals, I should say, every week, and we can. <laughs> How many <laughs> boxes hungry. are you getting? We're hungry. We're hungry we also here. get a box every week with two, with two meals in it. We don't get many boxes though. We, we only do the do the. One. We're super hungry in the Holy household. Wow. So it's, it's a box with a few meals in it. There you go. And we will take some of our favorite recipes and we can cook them again because we have the cards. The cards are really easy to follow, I, and I really appreciate that. And. Over time, we're building our knowledge and our skills of cooking, which, I mean, I say this many times and I mean it, like 
HelloFresh taught me how to cook. Like we've been a customer of theirs for about five years now or something like that. And I've learned so many skills from doing these recipes because they, they make it really easy to follow. They break it down and they take a lot of the frustration away from getting all the recipes together and stuff. It's super, super awesome. I love it. So go to HelloFresh.com slash Upgrade10 and use the code Upgrade10 for 10 free meals, including free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash Upgrade10. That's one zero with the code Upgrade 10 for 10 free meals, including free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Our thanks to HelloFresh for their support of this show and Relay FM. Okay, so you uh, wrote a couple of articles last week about Boy, the Apple did TV. I. Yeah, you did. You Woo! really you oh, got yeah, into I it. I did. I wrote those articles. And a bunch of tweets, too. So you uh-huh. uh, were building on a conversation that was on dithering uh, between. Um, John Gruber and Ben Thompson about the Apple TV, and they were pondering what could be next for the Apple TV. But you kind of took it from a different angle of like, should the Apple TV have a next? <laughs> Basically, yeah. Well, and why? Why does it exist? Yeah. It was really, it was really like, why? Why is it here? Mm-hmm. The premise being that with its, I would say its two most important unique features gone. Not removed from the product, but not unique anymore, which mm-hmm. is AirPlay support and the TV app. With those, So access to every iTunes movie you ever bought, uh, every TV show you ever bought, plus rentals, plus Apple TV+. Plus. Um, roll all that in there. Those are available on uh, modern TVs and streamer boxes, yep. including a, you know streamer boxes. At least in the US, you can buy a streamer box with all that stuff on it. Uh, that does 4K HDR for 35 bucks. So my point was, we've got a pr- thing that costs five times that and doesn't do those features uniquely anymore. So what what is in the in the list of advantages, you know, the list of assets for uh, for the Apple TV and and where do they go from here? Like, wh- what could they do to make it um you know more popular as a product what what could they add what features could they add and what are the issues so it's sort of like let's come up with what it does what it still does that is unique mm-hmm. and then also kind of ponder what it could do to be um more successful than it is i'll i'll remind everybody that the uh, apple TV got an F in the in the report card <laughs> on six colors as well. So yeah, for, for these reasons, the reasons your article, there are things we're going to talk about. But the thing is, like, Apple's doing the right thing in making AirPlay and the TV app available in many places. This is the right thing for their strategy. I think it makes sense, right? Like at this point, if you're buying a new TV, it's actually pretty hard to not have some combination of these features, you're probably going to get the uh, Apple TV app, no matter what you get. And then some TV sets also have AirPlay. Like most major manufacturers have some kind of set, uh, set of these features now. But even if you don't, I mean, you can get a Fire TV stick for, for you know, the few tens of dollars that those things cost, yep. and you'll get the Apple TV app, right? So very right. easy to get now. I want to say something up front here because I got a lot of feedback on Twitter about this. I'm not trying to take your Apple TV away from you. I'm not saying you're a dummy for buying an Apple TV, especially not two years ago. I'm not saying that you shouldn't use the Apple TV. I use the Apple TV every day. Mm -hmm. But I am saying if you want this product to be successful because you like it, other people should probably also, you know, 
buy it so that more people can buy it and more people can use it and developers can focus more on it and all of those things uh for it to be more successful you want to have it have a viable audience and market Mm -hmm. and right now it seems like that's a tough one so as of right now the things that set the apple tv box apart uh point one apple makes it so if they're going to add features to the ecosystem in theory, if they could affect the TV, then you'll get them rolled in, right? And you can see this with home, some HomeKit stuff, for example. You know, like when they add HomeKit Secure Video, well, they added the ability for you to see those cameras on your Apple TV. And if you were using the TV app uh, and on your Samsung TV or your OG TV, you're not going to get that, right? So there's some benefit there to being in the ecosystem. Um, it can play games from Apple Arcade if that's your jam. Mm-hmm. It has support for HomePods. I don't want to get started. I was happy to see that you put in your article that I I'm mentioned you in there. Because I heard from people who were like, oh, I just play my HomePods from my Apple TV and it's such it's so great. And I thought, well, that's nice. Yeah, but yeah. I also know that Mike tries to do that and he's miserable. I know, like I saw uh, John Gruber link to it and he said that it, he does this and it works great for him. I don't know what other people are doing that I'm not doing, but I mean, it really isn't great for me, but there you go. Uh, it's a HomeKit hub which is good, but becoming less good. So many devices can be HomeKit hubs now. Um, you know, right. It's becoming less of a... a, well, a what I tried to say is benefit. if it's a HomeKit hub, which is great if you don't have a HomePod, if you don't have an iPad in your house, yeah. which, you know, a lot of people are going to have an iPad in their house and don't actually... The fact that it is a HomeKit hub is not necessarily, you know... It's a unique feature, sort of, but there are other Apple products that do it. So even though it's unique for streamer boxes, it's not necessarily uh, unique for Apple products. And you listed the remote here. Yeah. Well, it's different, right? <laughs> and I there are things about the remote that I like. I, I feel like Apple could do a redesign of that remote that kept some of the features, like the, the trackpad, and make it better. Um. I just didn't want to cast the remote down and say like, and the remote is a total disaster because I have a love hate relationship with a remote. Okay. But I switched to using the Logitech Harmony remote for Apple TV. You know, I I have a universal remote, the Logitech Harmony, and it will control the Apple TV, but all it does is buttons. And I would occasionally get in scenarios where I would be in a show and I'd want to jump back 20 minutes or forward 50 Mm -hmm. minutes or, you know, and find that, that moment and then cl- and by swiping you know you click to go into into scrub mode and then you can sort of swipe over to find where you want to be and then you click again and you're there and you can't do that with buttons at least not the way that it's built right now and i really like that and i use it all the time and i heard from a lot of people yeah. who use siri commands all the time uh, i don't but i know a lot of people do so there's things about that remote that are not it's not u- universally terrible even though it's got lots of issues it's slippery you need to orient it properly and you can't do that on feel. Um, you can bump against these are all, it. It's all, it's all true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You bump against it. Somebody wrote in an acquaintance of mine wrote in on Twitter and said uh, something like you bump it and, and touch it wrong. And suddenly you're in a different dimension. <laughs> and I laughed at that because I absolutely had that. In fact, I had that happen just the other night where I, uh, I bumped it with my elbow and it started to fall off and I grabbed it. And, and meanwhile I was sitting at the menu in, uh, on the Apple TV 
I launched an app and it started to play something and I'm like, no. And then, and then I realized that it was, I had caught it upside down in my hand. So I was pressing the wrong buttons and I was just like, oh, Apple TV remote. (laughs) Right. Like it was just one of those moments of like, this is why people hate you. Um, but it, it has its positives too. I don't, I, I don't, it's not like the hockey puck mouse or something mm-hmm. from the original iMac. It's not that bad, but it, it's got, it's got issues, but it's also got upsides. So they could, they could reinvent it in some way. Um, but I do think it is a unique feature and, and there are things about it that some people like. So honestly, like I look at this list and I don't, you know, the, well, yeah, yeah, this is, this is the thing. And, and I got a lot of feedback from people who are like, oh, here's some other things that it does that I yeah. like. Mm-hmm. So we got the, um, I use it to do screensavers of my photos in iCloud Photos. And I, uh, I like the sophistication of the apps because these are sort of like iOS apps. And so they've got all sorts of uh, things that they can do. Um, a lot of people brought up Fitness Plus integration, which I agree is a, a good example of Apple trying to add something to the Apple TV recently yeah. to make it, uh, to give it a unique benefit, which is it's yeah. su- super integrated with Fitness Plus. Now, you're going to be able to AirPlay, the fitness app, from your iPhone or iPad to any device that supports AirPlay in the next full release of iOS, but it won't show your uh your live data, although it'll show it on your watch. Um, and, and so it's one of those things where I agree. It's really nice. Also, I'm not entirely convinced that Apple will not make an effort <laughs> to make that available everywhere as well, because they want fitness plus to have value more than they want to sell fitness plus users in Apple TV, but we'll see. Yes. Um, people mentioned the TV app integration, which we've talked about here. Uh, if you don't use Netflix, uh, all the other stuff you're watching, you can sit in the TV app and it sort of knows and it'll launch you out to those apps and it can create a sort of single front end and watch list for everything you do. It's true. I don't use it that much because I do use Netflix, but for everything that actually does share data, it is a pretty nice interface and I can see that that has some real value. Um, and if Netflix was part of the party, it would be uh, even better. I wish they could um, make that work somehow. Right. And the big one that I, I heard from a lot of people is well, I had... I had an item that was, it's from Apple, right? Mm-hmm. And I tried to roll a bunch of stuff in there. Like, I just buy Apple stuff and I don't worry about it. Um, the, you know, Apple logo is on it. It's the, it's the ecosystem owner, platform owner. It, it's nicer. Like, all the things that are, it's from Apple, as mm-hmm. opposed to it's from some other company. What a lot of people hit me back about was, also, it's from Apple means I trust Apple in terms of my data and I don't trust random company that makes this software, whether it's Amazon or Roku or Samsung or whoever. And so their argument is I buy the Apple TV because um, I trust it in terms of my privacy in a way that um, I don't trust those other companies. Now that's a personal choice. I think, and, and, this is a thing that we've talked about on the show a bit. I think that it can be overstated. Um, I think I see in those arguments, a lot of people who read that one story about Vizio a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and have decided that all TV boxes are loss leaders that are there to steal all of your viewing information and sell it for an enormous profit, which 
I don't think was ever really true, but is, uh, you know, Vizio, <laughs> the, the beauty of that Vizio story is that basically everybody in the TV box market got uh, scrutinized and they all have opt-outs. I have yet to see a story anywhere of somebody who's analyzed the network data on one of these boxes that has opted out from ad tracking or, uh, you know, uh, video tracking that they're leaking information to people, which is not surprising because it would be an enormous scandal <laughs> if it turned out that they offered an opt-out and that it didn't opt you out. Is it not opted? Are you opted in by default? Yeah, you are. Um, I Again, I don't love the idea that some TV box manufacturer has data about what shows I watch. At the same time, it's not exactly the crown jewels. Like, that's like a Nielsen box, basically. Your cable box may also be doing this, by the way. Netflix <laughs> is tracking what you're watching when you're in Netflix. Every service you use is tracking you, even yeah. on the Apple TV, right? They, they, uh -huh. They're tracking you within their silo, not across uh, devices, but they are absolutely doing that. Uh, Apple even has, a, I, I believe, a privacy opt-out in tvOS, so it, it too it has got some amount of data. But the So I think this is overblown, but the truth is, I think it's fair to say, for a certain audience, the fact that the Apple TV is from Apple provides a level of comfort that a random company that they've never heard of or only have heard of in passing or don't trust for other reasons can provide. And I think mm -hmm. that's I think that's fair. I would probably argue that that doesn't counter for most people. It doesn't counterbalance the fact that you can get this one for thirty five dollars and this one's a one one seventy nine. But for some people, it does. So even though I can be a little skeptical that I, I think maybe this is overstated on both sides, uh, it is perceived as an advantage for Apple. And, you know, I don't think anybody expects Apple to make a product for $35 just because Roku does, right? No, that's not what Apple does. But the difference between the Apple TV and every other model, all of which have been updated in the last six months and Apple TV hasn't been updated for two years, it's worth worth thinking about <laughs> what else could apple do to make this product more appealing because even the most exciting excited beloved devoted fan of the apple tv and i heard from all of them because they're convinced that i'm saying that they should somebody a, a mean man should come to their house and take their apple tv away Run i guess even though i said i use it every day um even they would probably admit that they love this product so much perhaps Apple should be working very hard to improve it, to find ways to make it have unique value, yep. and find ways to make it more appealing so more people buy it. Because again, it's a stronger product if it's actively updated and flying off the shelves and people want to be on the platform. It's more viable as a product that way. It's a better product that way. And it's been kind of drifting for two years. So what can they do then? Brainbox? What can they do? I know. <laughs> Give it up. Call it a day. Shut her down. I mean, that's a thing they could do. They could. They could. Uh, and I think I've gotten enough feedback from... If they wanted to shut down the Apple TV, they would need to make a greater effort to integrate some of their other ecosystem stuff into the TV app which they haven't done, which leads me to believe that it won't happen. Although it's possible it could happen, right? Like, oh, well, I want access to my iCloud photo library. Well, 
they could update the TV app to give you access to that, right? And they'd be mm-hmm. like, no, just buy a Roku. It's fine. I don't think they will. I think that they're going to keep this around in some form just as a pricey uh, platform object, right? But um, so Ben and John on on Dithering talked about games. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting. There are... I'm not sure it'll work because Apple and games generally has not worked in history. And when it works, it's accidental. Um, but there are two ways of looking at it. And I want, I want your thoughts about this as somebody who cares about games. One way to look at it is, well, just make a game console, like a super souped up Apple TV with controllers and access to games on the app store and court game developers to be on the app store and get their games on the app store and uh and and go like we're gonna we're really a better comparison to uh xbox and playstation which seems like a stretch to me and the alternative is to say we're a different kind of game console just like nintendo does different kinds of game consoles but we are going to make a push in terms of gaming capability and controllers and they've already started doing some of that but it's never going to be you know they're going to use continue using their iOS foundation and not not make it feel truly like something that could compete with something like PlayStation or Xbox but more than just a video streamer which at least in terms of their hardware is the right thing to do because their hardware is way too powerful for just streaming video so what else do you do with it what you know is any gaming strategy for Apple TV viable do you think no um all right Moving on. Well, so like you know, I, I will say it so so abruptly because I genuinely believe there isn't one. Uh, I would love to be proven wrong, but I don't understand where they could fit. So, Apple is not going to make a PlayStation or Xbox competitor because it's more than just adding a controller, right? Now, Microsoft and Sony do not want to make consoles that are as big as the consoles they make, right? But if you want to make AAA, top quality games, that's the kind of hardware that you're looking at, right? And I can't imagine Apple building a larger Apple TV. I'm not saying it has to be as big as, like the Xbox Series S, (laughs) for example. (laughs) I was going to say, having a PS5, the PS5 is the size of my house. The PS5 is is absurdly large. Yes. But it's doing a lot. And Apple could maybe go along the road of the Xbox Series S, which is like, it's not giving you all of the power, but you could at least play all the games, etc. But the problem with the AAA strategy, the high-end, high-quality games, it's not hardware that's the problem here. It's Apple as a company and the App Store, right? Just look at Apple versus Epic, right? That's Uh the issue, right? Like, that is the closest to a top-tier game that would be on uh, iOS and just Mm -hmm. the market forces just won't allow for it. And there are many other issues here, right? So uh, just looking, I'm going to come to Nintendo in a minute. Let me counter you there, if only to say that my understanding is that the console app stores take a a percentage that's comparable to what Apple takes. They take a percentage. Um, But I really loved a lot of this. Like John Syracuse put this in, in a great way on some episodes of ATP. But 
The thing is, there is a percentage that is taken by the console makers, but there's a bunch of other things going on. It's probably negotiable. It's definitely negotiable. Right. And you need to be on those consoles, right? You don't, they you don't do. need to be on an Apple TV. Apple TV would be a hungry console that would mm-hmm. need to really cut a deal to get some things that are considered AAA running But there are deals, right? So the big games, you're getting extra money for making them exclusive for periods of times. The marketing, the legit marketing, right, is that they spend on that together um like they are taking a cut but you're getting a lot for it not just if you are a big developer not just the right to be on the platform right that there's a lot of to and throw which is something that apple doesn't do and i can't imagine they would ever do because they have no history of doing this and they've had no history of doing this at times when they should have done it right like we look at apple news plus there should be more give and take in that if they really wanted that to succeed but they're just not interested in give and take right they're just interested in take right like you should be lucky to be here right it's kind of a lot of the the feeling that people get from the these deals especially with content so i just can't imagine them doing this right like do you think that the first time apple found out that epic had an issue was when they did that thing that they did no right like Epic were very clearly voicing what they wanted from Apple, and Apple didn't want to give it. I'm not saying what's right or wrong. I'm just saying like, this is the, this is kind of how Apple treat these types of relationships. It seems right. So I can't imagine, like, even though these other, like, even though Sony and Microsoft take their cut, there's more of an arrangement between these businesses, and it's less clear. Like, just like we take this, then you get to be on the platform. That's that. So just staying on Sony and Microsoft for a minute. Marketing is so strong, right? Like, amongst people that play these games, they want one of these two consoles. Apple would have to do so much to try and convince people that they're a player in that field. But this is not the field they're going for anyway if they're going for games, right? And you mentioned Nintendo. People mentioned Nintendo. Oh, they're just doing a Nintendo thing. Oh, my God. I, I love you, Jason. You're, you're great. This is so incredible. Like, but, but <laughs> Mike, Apple has decades where they have rolled out games featuring beloved characters like okay. <laughs> yeah. the dog cow. <laughs> so this is the issue. People uh, spinning uh, rainbow cursor. <laughs> people look oh my God. at Nintendo. Can you imagine a game that is the adventures of the dog cow and the uh, spinning rainbow cursor in Finderland? <gasps> the beloved chess. Uh, so like, <laughs> people look at Nintendo and they're like, oh, Nintendo managed to do this without the big beefy hardware. Nintendo have a level of creativity in their games and their hardware that everybody else wishes they could. Like, for example, right? Everyone's like, oh my God, you cannot buy a PlayStation right now. They must be doing so well. Nintendo in the same quarter sold, I think it was nearly twice the amount of Switches, right? And I mean, yes, they have supply, but the Switch is like three or four years old at this point. Like, it's a different beast. Well, I mentioned Nintendo only to say it's possible... I'm just I'm just trying to make this argument. I'm trying to parse this out. It's possible that you could make a a game focused device that is not AAA console like Sony and Microsoft. Yes, that would have some appeal. I think the problem, and I mentioned the Switch just because Nintendo has always gone its own way. The difference is Nintendo has a track record, an audience, and intellectual property that put it over the edge whereas mm-hmm. what apple would bring is you know that 
game, that puzzle game you like on your iPad, you know that thing where you touch the colored gems on your iPhone? Well, now it can be on your TV, which is not a great a great match. And I don't, you know, short of Apple, you know, buying huge amounts of intellectual property, and even then, right? Like, it's not, I think it's more likely for Apple to be successful trying to do something that is not a AAA console than Apple trying to be a AAA console, if that yes. makes any sense. I'm not sure either of them are great, but I could see I could see it a little bit better, given that every iOS device works with controllers now. I could see them making a push for more content that uses and is best on controllers. I'm not sure it would work. But I could see it. I just, I can't see it being a PlayStation, right? That I yeah. can't see. In it, fact, you could yeah. argue with the, with the AR VR stuff that if they want to go down this path, they really do need to embrace gaming because gaming is an application for all of this stuff and Apple's not very good at it. So, yes, I agree with that. Um, I wanted to address like the, the game, because I see people say casual gaming, right? They could, why doesn't Apple... Uh, make the Apple TV great for casual gamers. But what's casual about turning on your TV? Exactly. And, right? If, that's if the, what that's you're the saying challenge. is we're going to take the, the casual games for casual gamers and put them on the Apple TV, you have completely divorced the idea of casual gaming because it is not casual to sit down in front... Casual gaming works because these are games that you play when you are waiting for something or you're doing something else or you're trying to pass time. These are the games you play on your iPhone, right? They work on your iPhone because they are built around this idea of killing time. Right. Sitting down at games, to, at a t television to play a game, it is not casual gaming anymore. You've made it gaming. You've removed the casual from it. Right. And again, if you were if you were Nintendo and had Mario, sorry, John, uh, Mario, uh, the and all of that stuff. Right. You had Mario and you had uh, uh, Kirby and you had all those characters and all those titles that you've done for years and years. Well, then you could maybe release an Apple TV like product. And a better controller, by the way. <laughs> And you might have something, but <laughs> Apple doesn't have any of that, right? Mm -hmm. And that that's the, like, you, you do need something to be there, I feel like, <laughs> something that is going to draw people there other than that it's Apple. And that, that's, that's the challenge here, right? Is, is we've seen the game story for the last few years on the Apple TV. And the fact is, can, I mean, I want to say this too. Can the Apple TV be a decent game platform? Yes. It can. And yes. a new one could be even better at it. And they all connect to controllers. And if you've played a game that works well with a controller, like Sayonara Wild Hearts mm -hmm. on the Apple TV, it's really good. Great. I also use it for party games, for the Jackbox Party Pack. All of that is true. The challenge is, how do you... And Apple Arcade games play on the Apple TV. And yet... It's not there on the software side, and I'm not sure how it gets there. No, it's like, so the thing about the, the Apple TV, the Apple TV can be a thing that also has games, which is great, rather than a thing you buy because it has games. Like, and, and I don't, right. I can't imagine it ever being more than that for all of the reasons. So Terrence in the chat room says, I'd argue Apple TV doesn't need a distinct strategy. 
It just needs to support Apple Arcade and they need to put a lot more resources behind it. I do I do think, I mean, that is a distinct... Well, uh, okay. I agree with Terrence. Indistinct strategy seems to be Apple's current strategy for Apple TV and maybe it's the right one, which is <laughs> to, to go back to a joke that I made about the original Apple Watch presentation. What doesn't it do, right? Yeah, like, yeah, what yeah. what is the Apple TV for? It's for all those things I listed earlier. And it's for games in Apple Arcade. And yes, they could pour a lot more money into Apple Arcade and say the Apple TV box is an arcade box and we're we're building we're we're putting a lot of money into making really good controller based games that you're going to want to plop down in front of your TV with an Apple TV in play and they're they're family friendly and, and you know your kids are going to love them and you're going to love them as a grown up and it's not quite the same as buying a console and it'll also be your streamer box etc cetera, etc cetera, in a way that like other than harder core gamers, people are not like, right, the last generation of consoles, game consoles, they're like, it's also your TV box. And uh, everybody was like, no, it's not. Stop. Just stop. And you can watch streaming video on those boxes, but unless you're a gamer, you're not like, all right, let, honey, let's turn on the PlayStation to watch Netflix. Like, I don't think... That exact strategy of it's a TV box killed the Xbox. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Oh, I have, I had a, an Xbox One, and, and yeah. yeah, it's ridiculous. HDMI in, HDMI out. It's like, forget about it. So, so I think Terrence's point is good in the sense that Indistinct, it does these kind of games on Apple Arcade, and we can put money into Apple Arcade to try and make the TV titles for apple arcade better and then we could also do a bunch of other stuff including stuff we haven't talked about yet other ways that they could go and and just sort of be like what you know apple tv it's just better and does a bunch of stuff and if any of these things hit you you'll buy it and um and that might be something i i I still think it needs to cost less or at least there needs to be a version of it that costs a lot less not because Apple needs to be the low price leader, it never does, but because the prices of the other competing boxes are so low that it needs to come down. Now, the 4K Dolby Vision, Dolby Atmos version of Roku costs 99 but the 4K HDR version costs 35 So is there, I don't I don't want to set the Apple price for this, but 179 is not it. So give it to me for 109 or 119 or mm-hmm. or, or make a version that's $99. You know, it would be very much like Tim Cook's Apple for the current Apple TV 4K to get cut to 99 and then for them to make a new fancy one that's 179. And that might be okay. Um, but the are, are we done with games? Because there's the other Yeah, yeah, I, I said all I need to say about games. That right. just won't work, basically. <laughs> um, home, home kit. And and smart home is another area that they could beef up if they wanted to. Their their smart home strategy is broken. They brought in somebody new a couple of years ago. We haven't really seen a lot there. Although uh, HomePod Mini has the Thread Radio in it, and like there's there's signs they they're working on uh, Chop the connected home yep. uh, uh, thing with everybody. The idea here is it's the detente in smart home, so that you should going forward at some point here just be able to buy smart home stuff, and it works with everything. It works with Google and Apple and Alexa and all those things. It just it works and it's fine. And it may be that they're kind of on hold until that all gets resolved. But I do think smart home stuff could be a a way for the uh, Apple TV to differentiate. Um, If Apple made a Wi-Fi router, they could use it as a, as a, a a mesh network hub. Mm -hmm. That would be nice. Um, The, and you know, you talk to Federico about this sometimes on connected home, the home app has automations that are essentially shortcuts, but it's a very, and they, the shortcuts run on the home kit hub. So they don't run on, on a, like a computer or an iPad or an iPhone. They run on the, the home kit server. 
which can be an iPad, but you, you see my point. And they're very limited. There's a, a set of things that you can automate there. Well, Apple could beef that up. Apple could say on this Apple TV, it's it's basically a whole computer in there and there's lots of other stuff it can do now. And look, you won't you won't believe what you can automate in your home. Um, they presumably would put like a thread radio in there because one of the things that would be really nice is if I, I could stop buying little plastic boxes that I have to plug into Ethernet and the wall in order to turn on the lights in my house. Um, but like all these different smart home uh, st- old standards all connect via different things. Mm. It could be something more like something more like Homebridge, where it it's able to suck in a bunch of different things. Like they could do work to say this is a great home product at a level that they haven't yet, and that might be again. Is that the only reason you'd buy one? No, but it would be another one on the pile. And if we're going with the indirect or unfocused strategy here, yep. then that would be something you could do. And then the other thing I'll just throw out there is my hobby horse. I've been be- I've been beating this drum for years now, but take your HomePod tech, take your Apple TV tech, and take your smart home tech and make a soundbar so that people can plop an Apple-branded, great-sounding thing in front of their TV or above their TV or wherever you put your soundbar and attach it to the TV and it does video, it does Apple Music, it sounds great, it does home theater surround sound when you're doing that and it's also your HomePod hub. And it's like I don't know, again, yeah, they're competing with Sonos and do they really want to make it, but like they already make literally all the parts of it <laughs> with the HomePod and the Apple TV. And I would wager, Mike, that you would not have the problems you're having with your HomePods and your Apple TV if they were literally one box where they were would all certainly just <laughs> connected so i don't know again is that the solution probably not but i feel like with apple tv if it's going to exist it needs to be more affordable and we need to apple needs to because we can't do it really apple needs to add some more new things on the pile because it took away some of its specialness yeah uh in the drive to spread apple's entertainment platforms across connected devices and honestly the airplay thing doesn't get enough airplay is such a great feature of owning an apple product and to have it be Mm. increasingly common on other devices is a big win for mac users and ipad users and iphone users but it comes at the cost of the unique value of the apple tv somebody um during the twitter back and forth last week said they're a teacher at a school and they bought apple tvs for every projector so that they can project from their screen and that's great but today i would bet you that their it manager would buy 35 dollars roku's instead (laughs) because they do the same thing and they wouldn't buy the 179 dollars apple tvs or whatever the education price is so again we need to make a pile of features and lower the price and you know that's how apple keeps the apple tv valuable and viable and make people want to buy it is they need to like with fitness plus they need to start integrating more things into it to give people a reason to buy it because two of the biggest reasons have walked out the door in the last year it's kind of funny really because like thinking about the ipad line like the ipad air got a bunch of features that the ipad pro had and we're just naturally assuming because of the way that apple's done things in the past that the next ipad pro is going to get a bunch of things that the ipad air doesn't have to like make it make a reason for you to want to keep continuing buying the more expensive product. And there's, I guess, a kind of a similarity here, right, where Apple took a bunch of things that were exclusive to the Apple TV and made them more widely available. So now to get people to want to buy the next Apple TV, if there ever is one, they need to do this exact thing, right? Like there has to be some kind of USP 
to this product. Yeah, you need differentiation between yes. you. Even though the $35 Roku, it's not available in every country, but it is in the US. Apple cares the most about the US. I know they're looking at that. You need to have differentiation, even if it's not your product. You need to have enough differentiation between you and the $35 product to make the difference in price worth it. And the Apple logo is part of it, and Apple's privacy promise is part of it. Like all of those add, but you need to make the case to enough people to make that product successful. And as the product is sat there unchanged, it keeps getting less differentiated, right? And so so you're right. We expect it from the iPad Pro. I think we need to expect it from the Apple TV that they're going to find some ways to differentiate it because otherwise I don't really know why it's around. Um, and, and putting a new processor in it, because imagine if it doesn't do anything new and then they put a new processor in it from the latest generation, sort of like, okay, what does that get me? Right? Like what mm. is it's, it's like the storage thing. It's like, well, we've upped the processor. Well, great. I can buy a larger storage Apple TV too, but that's pointless. I don't know. This episode is brought to you by express VPN. How did you choose which ISP, which internet service provider that you wanted to use? Sad thing is a lot of people don't have a lot of choice. ISPs have controls in the region that they serve and you kind of have to just go with what's available. But then they can take advantage of you in different ways. They can put data caps and streaming throttles and stuff like that. Maybe you don't get the ultimate speed that you want. The list goes on. But they can also log your internet internet activity, which they could sell or they could use this data for their own purposes, which might not be something that you want, but what are you going to do? You need internet, right? This is what you can use ExpressVPN for. It means you can log in, you can use it, you can turn it on, and your ISPs wouldn't see your internet activity. ExpressVPN is a simple app for your computer or smartphone. It encrypts all of your network data, tunnels it through a secure VPN server so that your activity stays your activity. This is like giving you that peace of mind. Think about how much of your life is on the internet. Every site you visit, video you watch, it could all be information that somebody's collecting about you and used without your permission. This is why you should use ExpressVPN as the best way to keep your information private. I use it for these exact reasons and many more. Like We were talking about um, HBO Max earlier in the show uh, and the West Wing. So there was a West Wing special on HBO Max and it was actually free yeah. on their website. So anyone could watch it only if you're in the US. <laughs> so I turned on ExpressVPN mm. and then I was on my phone and I was able to airplay it to my Apple TV and I could watch the whole special completely in HD, no lag, no buffering, nothing. I was very happy about that. And it's just super simple. You could just download the app. I already, obviously, I had it downloaded. You tap one button on your device and you can say you're from somewhere else and you can also be protected. What's it jarring for all of the actors to be that much older that immediately after watching the entire West Wing? Yeah, super weird. It was super, super weird because I was so used to the way that they looked. And then they it was a great, a great special, head. but, oh, so but yeah, they're all, they're all 15 years older now. Yeah. Which was very weird for me, but yeah, <laughs> but super good. And I was very happy that I could watch it and all thanks to ExpressVPN. Uh, this, well, not maybe this reason, but there are many reasons why it's rated the number one VPN service by many outlets, CNET, Wired, and many more. So stop handing over your data to ISPs and companies that want to profit from your info. Protect yourself with the VPN that I use to keep me private online and for many other reasons too. Go to expressvpn.com slash upgrade. That's expressvpn.com slash upgrade to get three extra months free. Go to That's one last time, expressvpn.com slash upgrade. Go there now and learn more. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of this show and Relay FM. It's time for some hashtag ask upgrade questions. 
Stitch wants to know, do you use bookmarks in Safari? If so, what for? Uh, I use bookmarks to store. I just recently deleted a lot of bookmarks because I had them there for decades. Um, I use them for things that I think I need to have available because I'm probably going to need to come back there eventually. There aren't that many, but it just happens occasionally. Also, recipes. (laughs) If I make something off of a random recipe website, I will add that as a bookmark so I can get back there and make it again. Um... And otherwise, I basically just use the uh, favorites bar. So I, that's really how I use bookmarks is I use the favorites bar and I have all of my content management stuff, uh, Six Colors, The Incomparable, Relay, IDG is all in there. Um, I have uh, quick jumps to my sites and my weather page and uh, some COVID-19 data is in there and Homebridge is in there. Hmm. So that's basically how I use bookmarks other than like to store recipes or other things. Like there was a GitHub something that I was like a project that I wanted to keep my eye on. I added that, but it's very rare that I use bookmarks anymore for anything other than sort of like save it for later or it's the stuff that's in my, uh, in my toolbar. I don't use bookmarks. I have some bookmarks in <laughs> in Safari, and I don't know how they got there. They're very old. What I do use, though, is bookmarklets. So the CMS oh, yeah, sure. that we have for Relay that, that we build, um, it has the ability to, uh, if I go to a web page, I can hit a bookmarklet, and it will save it to the CMS. Um, yeah, so- I, have, I have all those in there, and those are great. I've got one that... Um, will kick out video into a picture-in-picture on the mm, Mac. Nice. Well, actually, Mac or iPad. Um, that's really nice. Um, yeah, those are... those are. I, I should have mentioned that. The bookmarklets are very helpful, too, yep. for that reason. So, and that's, that's what yeah. I use them for. And, and the other thing that I use them for, um, although I don't use this as much as I used to, is I have all of my Google Docs that I use for podcasts, Mm. uh, planning Google Sheets or the Upgrade Doc or the Liftoff Doc. And I used to use LaunchBar, which would index uh, Safari bookmarks. Mm. So I could launch the Upgrade Notes from LaunchBar. Mm -hmm. But I changed at some point, because those are all Google Docs, I have, um, you know, Google Drive. Uh, and it's just web links to those things too. But now I have, I think I have, I have launch bar scanning Google drive for the names of all my Google docs. And I get it that way. But for a while oh, okay. I was using, and I may switch back, uh, but the, that idea is that I'm not just launching apps using launch bar. I'm also launching web pages like Google docs. So I use it for that. And I do, I think I do have my bookmarks indexed by, uh, by launch bar as well. So if something gets added in there, like a a recipe or a doc that I'm working on, I can get it through launch bar as well. And that's convenient rather than going to the menu or something. I very rarely do that or auto or autocomplete, right? If you, in the URL bar, you start typing the thing that you want. And because it's in bookmarks, it just shows up there. But I very rarely, I'm like, now I'm at the point in my day where I will go to my bookmarks. I don't do that. Like if I want to open the upgrade show notes, I just open a new tab and type in UPG and it's like, Hey, and I just press enter and then that's it. Yeah. Right. Like, and, so, and I do, I do space command space UPG yeah. for a launch bar and hit return. And it, it opens it up that way too. We keep getting lots of, um, VR and AR ask upgrade questions. Keep sending mm. them in. This one came from Seth. 
why is VR and AR considered only for mobile during the discussions that you're having in an M1 world where PC tablet phones are the and like PC tablet and phone are the same? Three thousand dollars endless XDR display for my M1 MacBook sounds like an amazing idea. Why limit our ideas and theories to only what the phone can do? I think it's a great question. I do think that if VR and AR ultimately becomes ever present and seamless the idea that you won't need a big screen because you can have a virtual screen anywhere you go will definitely become a thing that people will do that you don't you know need a physical screen anymore because you can just make a virtual screen that's as big as you want it to be and move it around with you and whatever i think that's true however there are all the physical issues right which yes, is this is, is it going to is it going to be good enough? If it's good enough, is it going to be heavy or hot or uncomfortable? Yep. In the beginning, it will be. In the long run, maybe not. Maybe it'll be more like just wearing a pair of glasses and you put mm -hmm. on your glasses and you're, you've got a computer screen. Um, but, but I worry about the ergonomics of it, that if you're working all day with a thing clamped onto your face, it's not going to be good. So no. what is the ergonomic? And, wh and when does the ergonomic issue go away because the technology has advanced. And I think that's going to be a while, but I do think, I do think that the end goal is seamless AR and VR and seamless AR where you can put a screen up in front of somebody is quite possible. And at that point we won't need displays anymore, but I, it feels like that's a long way off. So I think like the thing that Seth is talking about here is this mixed reality headset because they say a $3,000, right? So it's $3,000 is that price point. And like, this is a great idea if it, if you discount the comfort of it, right? Yeah. Because I'll tell you, right? Like as a, someone, I have an Oculus Quest. I can't have it on for three, four hours at a time. I watched a 3D, I watched the Doctor <laughs> Who 50th anniversary special in 3D uh -huh. on my Oculus Quest 2. It took me four sessions to do it, yeah, because <laughs> it was just not very comfortable. No. And it's better now because I've got the new, uh, I've got the the upgraded uh, strap that actually is comfortable. Even even so, I you know I play eleven table tennis for forty five minutes, and I'm like I'm done for a while, and my face I downloaded is downloaded that by the way. And, I'm yeah. really 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 bad at table tennis, is what I've learned. Okay, you should add me as a friend and then I'll just beat you. Well, no, this is why I won't do that because I'm no, really, uh -oh. really, 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 really bad. It's a fun yeah. game. I'm just terrible at it. So so that's, I mean, that's my answer to Seth is that in the long run, yeah, sure. Like, I love the idea that in the long run, like, let's let's put it all out there with hand tracking, precise hand and finger tracking. You should be able to put on this magical, futuristic set of AR glasses that don't squeeze your face and make you miserable and sit anywhere and put your hands out and type into the air and have it all work and mouse with your finger and do all whatever you want, whatever works for you and have it all be virtual. That, that absolutely is a thing that could happen. Yep. And I think the challenge is going to be uh, ergonomics. And that's not just the ergonomics of the thing that you clamp on your face. <laughs> but it's also the ergonomics of things like, what do I do for eight hours? Am I standing? Am I sitting? Am I typing in the air or am I typing on a solid surface? Uh, is a keyboard better ergonomically because of the feedback it gives you or is it pointless and you don't need it anymore? And some of that stuff is unknown, honestly. Um, and my guess is it's complicated and different bodies are going to react differently. But like, what are the best practices for a completely virtual environment beyond the thing clamped to your face? 
it's just going to take a while. But maybe someday. Jay asks, in terms of cloud storage, Dropbox or iCloud? Dropbox for me. I use yeah. iCloud more than I used to, but mm-hmm. I, a, I pay for Dropbox and I use it all the time. I use a bunch of Dropbox features that iCloud doesn't support. So if iCloud supported every feature that Dropbox that I use in Dropbox, I would consider using iCloud instead because I found iCloud to be fairly reliable, although less reliable than Dropbox, but fairly reliable. It's way better than it used to be. But I use shared folders and and file requests and you know i i look at I, project yeah pro, versioning and undelete and rewind and all sorts of these features that iCloud doesn't have any of that and i don't think it's ever going to have most of that because those are like pro features and i can't really imagine apple uh implementing all of them but if it were to do so i would consider it but for my use dropbox for sure yeah and i'm the same you know even like that that I think they call it. I don't think it's called Smart Sync. Is that it? The one where like it keeps all of your stuff and you just download what you need. Yeah, I was really unsure about that feature, but I use it now um, uh-huh. on my MacBook Pro, and I love it because yep. the great thing is I have a terabyte of stuff in my Dropbox, so I I can't I can't you know it's it's very expensive for me to get computers that I can actually have all of my files on in that way right um so I really like that um that's I I I like that feature a lot and and it's smart it does a good job but this you know this thing that you're saying about like Dropbox is rock solid for me right and so the idea of me ever thinking about moving to iCloud for file storage is just unfathomable Right. If Dropbox is around, I'm just going to use Dropbox because I don't have issues with Dropbox. And any issues I do have, you know, like if I was to have some kind of file issue, something got deleted when I didn't need it to, they have a very usable system for going in and getting that stuff out. You try yep. and recover a file from iCloud that you've accidentally deleted, right? Or like that there's a somebody's made an edit on. Like it's it's barely it's like barely, barely possible. I do use iCloud a lot. Like if an app has iCloud syncing for its data, I'll use that. But when it comes to like where my files are stored, I use Dropbox. Like for example, numbers and pages, I use iCloud. Great. Like it's all yep. there. And, and I I kind of consider that as like the app's syncing system. But mm-hmm. when it comes to like where do I save my PDFs, I save them in Dropbox. You know? Yes. Yeah, all my stories are in a stories folder on Dropbox that's linked to the editor that I use on iOS. And so it syncs. Mm. And could I do that with iCloud? Maybe. And I might at some point, but again, I set it up with Dropbox and it works great. And when I've tried to do that with iCloud, I do end up in those situations sometimes where iCloud just doesn't see the changes. It's very frustrating. And that's why I, I said it's more reliable. Dropbox has those issues occasionally. iCloud has them more than occasionally, even now. Um, it's much better than it used to be, but it's just not there. So I, I don't, I'm not going to drag either of these because they, they do both have their uses. But I think, honestly, I would say, I think we're very close to the expected result here. I think iCloud, you know, they had these issues with folder sharing and like it was there and they took it away in the betas and all that. But like folder sharing among people in iCloud, that's a feature that Apple should add. But a lot of the stuff we use Dropbox for, I'm not sure I would advocate that. I mean, if they could reconceive Time Machine uh, to be a front end to iCloud uh, file versioning, oh, so, so that good. you could, you, 
that would be that mm-hmm. would be a feature that would be nice and good because versioning is there on i o or on a on mac os in iCloud, but it's it's weird and I'm not sure it's iCloud based as well as it's machine based so like I could see them doing versioning at a consumer level and I can see them do doing folder sharing but some of the stuff we use Dropbox for they're never gonna do that so that's and that's fine right because Dropbox is a professional tool for lots of stuff that iCloud never needs to be. And so um, I think if Apple, Apple doesn't have to be Dropbox to make iCloud what it should be, but I don't think iCloud is what it should be yet. Uh, and finally today from Teague, who asks, other than Core Recorder, have you come across any apps uh, that do not work on M1 Max? I haven't. Coracle was haven't. the first one, and I didn't even know. I didn't know until that article came out because I hadn't tried to install it because right. I hadn't done any recordings on my MacBook Pro. So I haven't had anything else. It's the first one. I mean, that's it's why it was honestly such a surprise for me because I thought everything just worked. Yeah, I um, I think Photoshop works on it, but I'm using the Photoshop beta that's native on Apple Silicon. But other than that, I have not run into anything because we had the great catalina 32-bit app death mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and i haven't tried to run you know obviously like vmware or something like that running windows emulation would have a problem right but i'm not i haven't tried any of that and those apps that i really relied on other than call recorder uh, are mostly the apps that i that I already replaced because of catalina and the 32-bit apocalypse so um no when i use my macbook air it's just it's just great. It just mm-hmm. works. It's all those things, right? It's just, it's fine. It, yeah. it has been the least dramatic switchover, um, which is why I think that the paying the price in the summer of 19 with Catalina was smart on Apple's part because they got to clear the decks and make the chip transition not the painful transition. I have no doubt that there are tools and services that people use that don't work, but that I think they're on a niche and yeah, uh, listener David, who is our our sort of music uh, professor in the in the uh, Discord, said there are a lot of uh, audio and music apps that don't work. Although I will say there are also a lot of audio apps that claim they don't work, but they actually do work. Like Isotope for a, the support. longest time was like you can't even run it on on uh, Big Sur, let alone on Apple Silicon. I was like, well, it runs on Big Sur just fine, and it runs on Apple Silicon just fine. But there's a lot of like. There's a lot of qualification stuff, and then there's the stuff that really doesn't work. And there were a lot of like audio plugins that ran on Intel. And when you tried to run an Intel audio plugin in an app that was running on Apple Silicon, you had these very weird conflicts. And there's stuff like that that's been kind of broken. So if you're in a particular niche, you may have to face that. But um, even there, I found with a lot of these professional tools, what they are is they're afraid to claim compatibility because of the support issues. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just not true. <laughs> Sometimes it's just like, well, what? I had somebody say, well, I can't get an Apple Silicon Mac or I can't upgrade to Big Sur because Isotope doesn't work in it. And I said, well, I've been using Isotope with Big Sur for months now on and now on Apple Silicon and it works fine. They're like, but the webpage says it doesn't work. I'm like, well, I don't know what to tell you about their webpage. I just tried it and it worked. So it's okay with me. I think it's one of the things that's made the M1 Max so fantastic, at least for me, is I don't really think about the fact that it's doing something different. I just know that everything it does is amazing. So it's it like it f- just feels so good to use. Like I'm I I'm really struggling to kind of get my thoughts out about why I love my MacBook Pro so much. 
but it just everything just feels nice to use in a way that I feel like I hadn't experienced on the Mac in a while. Like I, I can't I don't really know why this is the case, but when I sit down at my iMac, it doesn't feel like the same experience as when I sit down with my MacBook Pro. And I'm and I'm I'm not completely gotten around to understanding why that is yet, except to say that the M1 Macs are really very special and cool. Yeah, they they are. It's it's a joy. When I was traveling, I took it with me. Um, and when we went to our little uh, vacation house for the weekend, and it was um great. It's just, yeah, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to use. It's fast, even editing podcasts and denoising things, running in Rosetta too. And it's just like, it's it, it, it's great. Love it. If you would like to send in a question for us to answer on the show, you can tweet with the hashtag AskUpgrade or use question mark AskUpgrade in the RelayFM members Discord, which you can get access to if you sign up uh, for Upgrade Plus. Go to getupgradeplus.com where you will get longer ad-free episodes of Upgrade every single week. On today's Upgrade Plus, we talk about um, power. Uh, <laughs> not that, but not, not that, that kind. kind. Elect- we talk about electricity, electricity and yep. planning for power outages and uh, solar panels and electric cars and things yeah. like that. Because, because, dear listener, we've reached the end now. My electricity provider sent me a letter in the mail last week that said, "Dear Jason, during upgrade, we're going to turn off your power, probably." Yeah, and I, I had to find ways of dealing with that. And mm-hmm. now that we've reached the end, I'd be happy to say, "Ha ha, they <laughs> didn't." <laughs> We escaped. We did it. They can shut it off right now and it won't matter. But if you'd like to hear a conversation we had about that and and all the weird and wonderful ways that that went, go to getupgradeplus.com to sign up. $5 a month, $50 a year. You get loads of great stuff and you help support us and the show. I would also like to thank ExpressVPN, HelloFresh, and Spokes for their support of this episode. If you'd like to find Jason online, you can go to sixcolors.com where you can find lots of wonderful articles from Jason, theincomparable.com for lots of wonderful podcasts, and here at Relay FM as well. Don't forget to go subscribe to Liftoff at relay.fm slash liftoff to get their very special episode on uh, later on this week with Ron Moore, the creator of For All Mankind. I'm so excited. To listen to that. If you'd like to find Jason on Twitter as well, he's at jsnell, J-S-N-E-L-L. I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. If you'd like to find links and information about this episode, it should be on your podcast app of choice, but if they're not, go to reload.fm slash upgrade slash 339. And we'll be back next week. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snell. Goodbye, Michael Hurley. Goodbye.